welcome to the Video Gamer Podcast, episode 227. My name is Conor Mahern, and with me this week, he gets a bit wobbly when he's tired, it's Chris Hallam. Hello. And she's a lot better than I thought she was. She uses different angles. It's Alice Bell. What? <laughs> I missed this one. I'm sorry, but maybe you missed the post-match uh, fight oh. interviews from one Floyd Mayweather Jr. and one Conor McGregor because this was the fight of the century, the millennium, the sporting event to end all sporting events. Mate. You didn't watch it? I didn't watch it. Was it was a combination of two amazing disciplines, wasn't it? Um, well, I mean, I guess it would have been if McGregor had been allowed to fight MMA. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that had been very amusing, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, like halfway through, they just yeah. go, right, swap. Yeah. Well, they, uh, what was it? Because um, they, it was what people considered the first MMA fight, which was, to a degree, was Antonio Inoki versus uh, Muhammad Ali, like back in the 60s. Antonio Inoki was like a, a big Japanese wrestler at yeah. the time. And Muhammad Ali was, I'm not sure if you're aware, he was a boxer, he was quite, he was quite good. No, I'm not aware of him. Yeah, he was quite popular. Uh, I watched the fight, I thought it was enjoyable. I I thought it was just, uh, like, not rip-roaring by any stretch of the imagination, but the the narrative told was that Conor McGregor can hold his own, to a degree, hold his own with the, hello and welcome to the Video Gamer Boxing Podcast, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Hold his own... uh, but at the same time, Floyd, like after, in in the post match, Floyd barely had a sweat. It was like he was yeah. after a light jog. It's a you know? completely different battle, isn't it? Though I can the thing about MMA is you're very much in the moment. It's instantaneous. It's about instant takedowns. Um, it's about yeah, mobilizing someone for fast. Boxing, like a, 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 a hook can take down a man. A, a hook can take down a man, but the thing is, with boxing, you're also planning ahead. So you have to pu- you have to plan your strategy depending on how that fighter um can cope i guess in terms of in terms of stamina and conor mcgregor his stamina has always been a bit iffy if you yeah, watch no, ufc I'd say, I'd say the same i'm not criticizing it, but, him no, i like him no no but. but like i'd say like mma has very similar uh tendencies in that yeah. like you're because as the name would suggest it's a lot of martial arts involved so you've to like someone who's who uh focuses on jiu-jitsu or someone who focuses on striking or someone who focuses on wrestling or whatever. So you do oh, have so to kind of... Multidiscipline. They're like Spartans, really, aren't they? In the yeah, octagon. exactly. But I, I'm glad that uh, the world probably won't care about boxing now for, I don't know, until I, there's another, like, an attraction until, fight until like Anthony this. Anthony Joshua fights again, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. I used to watch boxing loads when I was at uni. It was at the time when, like, uh, Alvarez Canelo was coming up. I was fucking watching loads of it then, yeah. Yeah, see, look at you, surprised that I know who that is. Did you, did you get into it? Yeah, yeah, we watched the fight with, um, it was the one, I can't remember who it was against, but it was the one where Mayweather was accused of making a cheap shot, but then everyone was like, well, protect yourself at all times, kind of thing. Like, mm. Yeah. Fucking check it out. I've watched it for ages. Though. Well, my, my boxing era would be the late 90s, the kind of golden era of heavyweight boxing. The late nineties. Oh, when you've like Eubank, uh, yeah, Lewis Collins, uh, like the, that, that kind of era. I think my Eubank is peak around the early nineties um, when he fight when he was fighting with the likes of Nigel Ben. Oh well, I suppose yeah, yeah I suppose maybe ones. early to mid. Nigel Ben, yeah, yeah. Jesus do you remember Christ. those? Oh, they were fantastic, weren't they? And have you seen how ripped Nigel Ben still is? Really? Yeah, because obviously his son's still a boxer. I'm sorry, this is the Video Gamer Boxing Podcast. Um, but his son is still... He, he's a professional boxer now. He's mm. just gone pro in the last couple of years. But his 
he's, he trains his son and he is in impeccable shape for a 50-odd-year-old man. Fair play. Well done, Nigel, if you're listening. <laughs> Nigel, we're, we're so ver- proud. Very proud of you. On to the Video Gamer News this week or the news on the Video Gamer podcast I suppose rather than news about us uh, I do it similar to McGregor was beaten by me <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to, to what I was saying about Muhammad Ali you know yeah not that well known player unknowns battlegrounds quite a niche video game as well so I'll kind of I'll fill you in right okay. uh, player unknowns battlegrounds a steam early access title yeah uh, and like it may have kind of flown under your radar a little it's bit. It's not out or yet, over though. either. Pro- or probably not. haven't heard of it. No. Uh, however, I'm surprised you haven't heard of it because Battlegrounds, over the weekend, hit a peak of 877,844 concurrent players, which was 40,000 more than Dota 2 on that day. Now, the significance of this is because of the game I just said, Dota fucking 2. Yeah. Which is a, an unbelievable achievement. It's a Goliath, like, Dota it, 2, isn't it? It was... I think it was knocked off its perch in Alex Ferguson Liverpool fashion uh, fairly quickly. I, I like I don't think it held the top spot for long. Oh, not but it, at but all. It, in in that same or in the same breath to even get to that level is ridiculous. It's like, especially for like it's just going from strength to strength. It's been so fast that it's moved up the the player concurrent players list. Uh, it's just amazing and I love it as well because whenever anyone asks Brendan Green like why is it why do people like it so much why is it so po- popular it's just kind of like don't know mm-hmm. it's good though isn't it like, I don't know it, it is it is, it is strange because it's, it's not the first game to do this but at the same time loads pe- people, people have done it. really latched onto it now last week we spoke about how uh, Battlegrounds the, uh, the Xbox the, uh, the Xbox uh, Gamescom yes uh, and how Microsoft came out and said they were publishing it on uh, the Xbox One well this led to a lot of speculation and rumour and hearsay in other words that basically mean the same thing mm-hmm. uh, on whether or not we would see the game come to other consoles like what's going on here is this an actual exclusive exclusive or a timed exclusive or what not well Microsoft's corporate vice president Mike Ibarra uh, he spoke to Eurogamer and he fielded some questions on the topic and he said uh, we're publishing it on Xbox and it's a console launch exclusive for anything else we don't like to answer on behalf of developers so you'd have to ask Bluehole then when asked kind of pushed on the topic and whether it was a timed exclusive he just said it's up to Bluehole we're not the developer so to me that would read as if there's Maybe Microsoft are looking into the idea. Maybe are trying to kind of court Bluehole into um, having Battlegrounds just on Xbox One. I think for cons- console-wise, you know Yeah, well, they'd like to do that, wouldn't they? I mean, anyone would do the, the latest hot thing. They'd love to have exclusive to their console or platform. But Bluehole would just be like, nah, it's selling millions, so I would be. But it's, it, is, it is an exclusive to Xbox, but it's coming out and everything else, no doubt. Like a timed exclusive. Yeah. I think it's got the... the Tomb Raider situation again. It's got the point it doesn't matter really. Like it's so successful that even if if Xbox has like an eight month or whatever lead, it's still going to do well for the console. Even if they had it for like, yeah, just a couple of months, I think it'll still be a positive boon for the console when it first comes out. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not even asked anymore. Just whatever. I'll, I'll probably play it. It'll be great. 
There you go. Would you play another Mass Effect, Alice Bell? Obviously. Well, you may be waiting a while, right? Uh, because EA Vice President Patrick Soderlund, uh, he spoke to Game Reactor at Gamescom, and uh, he said that the Mass Effect series could make a comeback uh, when the game is in a, quote, fresh and exciting place. Uh, he said, no reason why we shouldn't come back to Mass Effect. Why not? It's a spectacular universe. It's a loved series. It has a big fan base, and it's a game that has done a lot for EA and for Bioware. So, like, it, it seems like EA don't want to... Yeah. Don't want to don't put a bullet through old Yeller's head just yet. So, I mean, it's... It's sort of come after a couple of things. So first of all, it was confirmed, obviously, that Andromeda is not getting any single-player content. They'll continue to support the multiplayer, but there's no DLC. There's none of that. Uh, and then Casey Hudson responded to a tweet from a fan saying that the fan was said something along the lines of like, no, we'll we'll see some more Mass Effect. Like Casey Hudson won't leave that franchise behind, kind of thing. Um, and then Case Hudson, who is, of course, the new, what was it, like, VP, head general manager, that's the one. <laughs> uh, There's a few letters in there anyway somewhere. The old uh, new man. The old, yeah, so he was, he was, uh, he basically was the lead on the original Mass Effect trilogy. Then he left Bioware, and now he has come back as the general manager. And he said, yeah, he would love to do more, you know, it's close to his heart. He would love to do more Mass Effect. So everyone was like, yeah, and now... Basically, Bioware has said, and EA have said that, like, yeah, they're not going to shut the door on the franchise because of Andromeda's response. Res- like the yeah, the response yeah. That Andromeda got. Yeah, exactly. Just what? a quick question. Sorry to go slightly off topic. It's related to Andromeda. When that came out, was there like a deluxe edition that came with a season pass? Ooh. Because, like, obviously, with everything that's going on, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I didn't have a signal at the time, and I was like, did it come with a season pass? Because if it did, and if not, then that's fine. But I just wasn't sure. I don't think. I mean, I don't think they'd. It probably. Well, be... I mean, we like we've heard from different people that they'd never planned for it, but then when playing it, I thought like they definitely left hooks for. I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah, like you know the what did they call him? Was it Arx? Yeah. Uh, like there are a few. Like even when you start the game, like it's about these Arx uh, moving to the Andromeda Galaxy, and they're like, oh, the whatever Arx, the Torian Arx or whatever it was, or oh, they're missing. And yeah. no, it was there. What was it? The Quarian? Yeah, the, the Quarians. Hanar, maybe. Yeah, those. So, the, but it was like we we don't know where they are. Yeah. Maybe you'll find them in DLC. So Wait, like. <laughs> Like, like it, it alluded to there being DLC. Yeah. I mean, that... Yeah. I don't think it specifically said that. It, it well, said, yeah. like... it, it, But it, it definitely left hooks for, like, a sequel DLC, I think. But they have now said, like, that those plot things are going to be filled in by uh, the comics and graphic novel type things that they're doing okay, as well. Okay, right. So we get so, the necessary plot exposition that we require and need. Yes. Uh, but my prediction is going to be circa... 2022 I think I'd leave it longer yeah I, I there'll be like but it'll be like a Mass Effect colon first contact and it'll be about the first contact war well, I, I always thought that that's where they were going to go with the the next game in the series uh, because well for one I thought well I mean the end of Mass Effect 3 is fairly fairly final but then yeah. they, I mean because it's space they can go yeah well different galaxy yeah uh, <laughs> different so, galaxy motherfuckers <laughs> yeah, exactly um, but yeah I think the first, first contact war like something like that in a good number of years would yeah. would definitely appeal to people and would get people 
back on board and kind of play to their, uh, I don't know, just kind of play to the fans in a big way if they did something along those lines. So after three versions of Anthem then? Three versions of Anthem? Well, so we've got Anthem coming out next year, haven't we, apparently. So then you have all the sequels. Well, Anthem 2 and then Anthem Anthem 2, Anthem Anthem 3 3. and then the Bring Back Mass Effect. Effect. And then Anthem takes a little hiatus. (laughs) There's going to be a Dragon Age in there somewhere as well. This is true. There must be. Yeah. Uh, Well, do you know what else there's going to be? There's going to be a new game called Reigns Her Majesty. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll put this in because I fucking loved Reigns. Yeah, I was playing it this weekend. I I thought it was a a really... Like, I love mobile games, right? And I think mobile games get a a bad rap from a lot of people. I'm oblivious to this game. Uh, It was basically uh, an iPhone game that kind of used people's knowledge of Tinder. Effectively, okay, yeah, because it was. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. You've just played it. Uh, you make certain decisions by like, oh, what is it? Is it? Uh, it's like swipe, swipe right to like swipe keep, left, keep, swipe keep this right person for no, Swipe left for yes, and it's I think, uh, and it it's you. You basically are a king, and then your courtiers come to you with problems, and you swipe left to agree with them and right to fuck them off and each decision you make uh will affect your kingdom you have to balance yes yeah, yeah, yeah. the church uh your population the money, army and your yeah your money uh and if any of any of them you run out of any of them then you'll fail yeah too many too much one also fail so um uh, but it's it's, it's it's basically like yeah that it's king like that king that king dies on top of it though that, that king yeah. dies and then a new one takes their place really sounds interesting is that a free to play game no 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 no, no. How, no, much, no. how much was that five sub a five I think uh, well, well worth it, it like it, it was yeah. just really cool because again it was uh, a phone game that utilized its platform there was no yeah. virtual D pad or on screen buttons or anything like that it's all it uses your uh, your prior knowledge of yeah. of other applications, gaming uh, your and, subconscious, and, and uses it in the game. I just thought it was really, really clever. So it's a really good like meta narrative with the devil and shit. Yes, well. was really yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. It was very funny, very well written. It's good, very much so. Uh, but you know what else is coming out? Yakuza Kiwami Two, a new Fist of the North Star game, and Yakuza Online. Right, because last week there was a leak on the Taiwanese PSN store. Uh, that all but confirmed uh, the the remake of Yakuza 2, and now that has since been confirmed. Uh, Gamatsu is also reporting that Yakuza Online, which is this free-to-play mobile game, is coming next year in Japan and takes place after Yakuza 6. And as well, Yakuza developer uh, is making... I'm going I'm to take a stab at it. Hakuto, Hakuto Gagatoko. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well close. done, Colm. I'll, I'll pat myself in the back no, for that. That's pretty close, that. Uh, and this, this is, um, yeah, this is based on the old Fist of the North Star game. Have you ever seen and them? manga? Uh, no, I, I've never played no, Fist of the North so Star game. It's like the kind of um, when you say like the fist, the series of the game, Fist of the North Star, and then you say like you are already dead. It's like one of the main characters. Um, really good series, actually. It's think about it like um, a grown-up version of. Dragon Ball Z crossed with something like Dynasty Warriors, just in terms of ridiculousness and right. outrageous combat. But no, it's really cool. Um, it will be interesting. I think those guys, the work that they've done on the Yakuza series, 
and in terms of their new engine and stuff the dragon engine they have mm-hmm. that is going to marry perfectly with the fist of the north star game i mean i reviewed the last fist of the north star game that was done by tecmo koei on the um ps3 and that was decent it was like a muso game so it was like kind right, of yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of massive um, area brawler game and that was all right but it got tedious pretty quick so i could see these guys managing to not only do the the battle aspects it'd be really good but i think they could also do justice to the story so now does it does it i mean truth be told there is a reason i put this in yeah. right because i'm not sure if you're aware but i am the most knowledgeable person on yakuza right yeah and this has happened overnight yeah because because you played yakuza zero because like I played over Yaku- the weekend right exactly yeah. so to what we've been playing this week so this came out back in january right yakuza yeah. zero and i uh i, I, I was kind of i was been meaning to talk about this for a couple of weeks but i was like no i'll, I'll leave it until i finish it and uh, i bought it i don't know it was in one of the playstation sales anyway uh, and i played it like a real person which is always a joy to do with the game is to yeah. actually play it like a real person over the court probably took me about as i say six seven eight weeks right yeah just kind of tipping away at it every now and again and i have to say mother of sweet divine yakuza where have you been all my life it is exceptional is it the and first ever time you'd played it yep yeah yeah first ever time we played a yakuza game and it's yakuza zero is most definitely fuck your near, fuck your Edith Finch, fuck your Zelda, fuck your what other games came out this year. Just, just like, we'll get a box of down. games and you can just say fuck them. Uh, now, obviously, in jest, of course, all very good games. Uh, but right now, and it's probably because it's fresh in my memory. Yeah, this is one of the front runners for God of the Year, no question. Just, I loved it uh, from start to finish. One thing that it does that I just adored is how it marries two stories kind of happening at the same time, so mm. simultaneously. And because uh, you, you play as two different characters, you play as um, uh, Kiru Kazuma yep. and Goro Majima. And it's basically two chapters as, uh, two chapters as Majima, two yeah. chapters as, as Kiru. And they don't kind of interlink until there's like 16, 17 chapters and they don't start in kind of intertwining until about halfway through. But yeah. when they do, it is magic. It is absolute magic. And it, it made me, I don't know, it, it made me feel... It made me a better man. <laughs> it just it made me really excited. Oh, it's just such a joy. Uh, and what I really enjoy about the main story is because it's really kind of deathly serious, really. Yeah. All these characters are, are treating the situation... Uh, with respect and and all that kind of jazz, but at the same time, when you get into a fight with another yakuza, yeah. they do this thing where they'll put their <laughs> they'll put their hand on their shoulder, and they're all kind of smartly dressed in suits and whatever, and they'll just rip it off, and it's like a velcro suit, and just ripped to shit. They're all old bastards as well, and they're just so ripped, and it's like what the. F- Christ is going on. So it's it's kind of off the wall at times, but yeah. it's all wrapped up in this quite very ve- serious. very very serious story. Mm. And obviously you have that then with uh which is kind of a, a dichotomy to the kind of mini games around uh the map as well, which yeah. like you have basically remote control car racing, uh you have oh what is there darts? There's a there's a uh there's one one part of the game where Kiru he writes postcards into a DJ to get them re- read out on the show. And it's, 
like when you're doing that and then five minutes later you're like trying to save the life of your friend or whatever like I, I don't really want to spoil much because it is that good do you know what it did actually it evoked a lot of memories of old Metal Gear for me as I say these characters treating the situation with the respect it deserves I suppose uh, but in reality it's ludicrous everything's completely off the wall super super manga but very serious at the same time and I, I love the combat as well because each each character has three different styles of combat and they're all they're all quite varied like there's um uh say for kiru there's like rush which is you generally kind of duck and dive in between uh, opponents punches there's the beast one which is a bit slower but more powerful and you can yeah. uh, pick up say tables and chairs and stuff that are around you and fuck lads in the face with it <laughs> and then there's his oh what's it called is it just brawler which is a kind of mix in between and then like Majima has has a, a mother like he has a, a fighting style that's break dancing and oh it's so just st- fucking stupid is this the start of your love affair big time with I, like, are you playing through all of them now I I'm I definitely going to give uh, Yakuza Kiwami a go the, the first one that's like out Today, a time of recording, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give that a go because it, when I finished it, it was that type of... I don't know, I had that feeling where I was like, where, where has this series been? Why have I never played this before? And that's a real joy when you when you kind of come across something kind of later on and you have all this material that came out years prior that you can kind of dip into. And especially with them remastering, and as you say, in the Dragon Engine, yeah, it just looks really nice. And like apparently, Kiwami isn't as good as Zero. And I suppose, look, it's it's the when, first when, when game. Did that, when yeah. did that come out? Two thousand five, four, five. Yeah. So, so like, you know, yeah, fair enough. It's fifteen years ago, I suppose. But it, it looks like Zero did. And yeah, I just want to know more about the story. Yeah, the first one was... De- I played it years ago on the PS2, actually, and it was pretty decent at the time. So I will be interested to see, do you know, how they've kind of expanded on it? But, like, seeing the enthusiasm that you have, which you've managed to effectively portray <laughs> and articulate in words... You're so excited. It makes me want to go, oh, shit, let's just go and play it now. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, I'm enough to play it. I'm out this afternoon as well, so you two better do some fucking work. I know I'm not in the office. In, in between playing, but Yaku- no, yeah, no. In between playing Yakuza Zero, and maybe, maybe a bit of co-op Mario plus Rabbids. I keep saying Mario plus Rabbids, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Well, I mean, it is styled as Mario plus Rabbids in the title, so you can be forgiven for that. But thank you. Uh, so this is the latest hot Nintendo Switch exclusive, uh, which obviously puts the rabbits in the Mario universe. No, yeah. the, there is context for it, which I do enjoy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the game, there's this programmer, I can only hazard a guest child, judging by her bedroom, uh, a programmer child who has created this device which can merge two objects together. So uh, uh, like in, in the opening cinematic, you see a lamp and a flower, and it becomes a flower lamp, right? Okay. Now... She, I don't know, she used to go away for her tea or whatever it is, Chris. Sorry, I didn't really take notes. Uh, she goes away and uh, rabbits come into her bedroom, which is just all adorned with all Nintendo paraphernalia. Rabbits come into the bedroom. They take this uh, device called the Super Merge and they start just merging everything together. Okay. Uh, and they're, oh, did I mention they're in a, a time machine washing machine, right? No. Uh, and they, they basically. They somehow get sucked into the washing machine with the Super Merge and loads of Mario stuff as well. 
and a Mario poster, which transports them into the Mushroom Kingdom, effectively. So there's <laughs> the context, which I enjoy. And then they, and then they end up in the Mushroom Kingdom, but then also like suck loads of people from the Mushroom Kingdom into this kind of mix of the kids' bedroom and rabid stuff. Yes, and the Mushroom Kingdom. And I was like, fair play, because they could have just been like, rabbits, lol. Yeah, it could have just been, look, we struck a deal with Nintendo, and this is happening, okay? Uh, Because, yeah, I don't think think people were expecting, you know, some reasoning behind the game, but we got it, so I am grateful for that. I mean, the turnaround from the public perception of it when it was leaked... Ever to now, Mario has with a gun. been Ugh. incredible. Like, because yeah. it is, from what I saw, we played a couple hours on our stream on on Friday. Mm-hmm. It does look very good. It is good. Yeah, it is good. Like, it's as you say, with, like that oh, that first shot of Rabbit Peach when people saw her, uh, however many months ago that was. No, it was just disgust. From the video game playing public, well, not anymore because she's definitely the best character in the game. Just, and I suppose that's one thing I want to address is the humor. Yes, this is tailored towards kids. Yeah. It is a bit more, uh, yeah, it, it has a bit more of those, you know, ha, it's a it's a rabbit scratching his arse with a toy cleaner or whatever, right? But at the same time, it's I, I think Rabbit Peach is is quite funny. Like there's one section I think it's early on where you come across this. Uh, a big lumbering baddie. It might have been one of the earlier bosses. And all the characters kind of almost cower in fear, including yeah. Rabbit Peach, as far as I remember. But then she goes up and she starts taking selfies with the with the character. It's just She's a, she's a very well-written character, I think. And a lot of the, the physical comedy is... You know, it, it's nicely funny. It's not You're not going to break your whole laughing a lot of the time. But, yeah. uh, it's chuckle-worthy. But, it, but it's, it's, it's nice. And, you know, I mean, sound the klaxon and if we were on QI... Like, it's charming. It has that Nintendo charm. Of course it does. Uh, and the worlds are so alive. And there are, as, as you're kind of walk because I'll get on to, there are two parts of Mario and Rabbids, basically. But the, there's one part, which is uh, the sections of the levels where you're just walking around collecting coins, which you use to buy weapons and stuff, or uh, finding chests, which have certain things like artwork or soundtracks and stuff like that. Uh, and when you're kind of walking around the world, you kind of see the care taken in placing the rabbits, as you said, Alice, like placing the rabbits in the Mushroom Kingdom and seeing how uh, this amalgamation of, yeah, the kids' bedroom, the Mushroom Kingdom and the rabbits has been kind of put together and how, like, there's just... Uh, there's a, it's a lot of joy on screen and it's really colourful and really smartly done I, I said it all looked like I wanted to eat it and Colin said I was weird <laughs> I mean most definitely it's a weird statement to make but on reflection I get it yeah yeah it is just colourful it's nice. just that cute it's just yeah. really really delightful it does look like a labour of love doesn't it mm-hmm. and a like a kind of appreciation of the two things and marrying them the way that they quite Ubisoft quite clearly adore the kind of Nintendo characters yeah. and they've brought them in in such a loving way and quite respectful, isn't it, the way they've done it? No, there, there are issues with the, those sections of the game in that the camera is fixed a lot of the time yeah. and Isometric, so you, is you have... Uh, no, like, it well, well it, it, it changes. Like Sometimes the camera's behind your, your party. So you have a party mm-hmm. of three and 
your um, walking, talking Hoover, which is in front of you, called Beepo. They, yeah, so the camera's behind him, to the side of him, kind of in an isometric view. It, it kind of changes. And because of that, sometimes it's difficult to judge where exactly you are because yeah. Beepo is what you're meant to be watching rather than, than these characters. And sometimes when you go behind large blocks where you can't move the camera around to get a better view of it, okay. you can't really judge where your characters are. Yeah. And there are these uh, sort of bonus stages where you must collect uh, a number of blue coins in a allotted time. And if you do, you get a new weapon to buy, basically. And... Again, some of those are made harder because of that, because of the fact that you can't kind of swing the camera around. Yeah. But the other part of Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle is is the battling. Uh, and this is the part that I suppose everyone knows from it. This is the XCOM-y part. Yeah, I've been yeah. intrigued by this because it does seem like it gets quite hard. It gets... Which makes me feel like it's not actually for kids it's kind of a strange one to really judge who this is for i because I, I think it caters towards kids at points so there's there's four nintendo characters right there's yeah. mario luigi peach and yoshi and you have their rabid counterparts effectively yeah. mario must always be chosen he's the leader you must always have at least one rabid character in your party okay and then one other yeah so you can't so you can't have like mario normal Luigi and normal Peach or normal yeah. Yoshi and whatever, right? I'm guessing that's for, I don't Canon know, co- co- I don't know, cutscenes yeah. or, I mean, it is Mario and Rabbids, so maybe yeah. there has to be kind of some form of representation some of the Rabbids collaboration. in Collaboration. <laughs> um, but each character has a skill tree, which uh, are, you, you get these orbs throughout the game and you kind of buy, uh, say, there's a dash ability, which yeah. you can slide tackle enemies. And is that the vampire dash thing? Well, there's the, uh, Rabbit the Luigi has a vampire dash. Right, yeah. Uh, get new abilities, new weapons, or, or yeah, get a secondary weapon, stuff like that, right? So you can collect however many, right, and dump yeah. them all into one character. But if you're not happy with how you've spec'd your character, you can completely reset it and put your points in somewhere else. Which I, which I really like, which because it allows you to... Kind of play around a little bit. Now, the, the the skill trees of each character don't actually vary an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it does allow you to kind of play around with things. Maybe as Mario, you want... Uh, you can uh, dump a lot of the orbs into his dash ability, but then you realise, no, fuck it, if I use his... Because he has uh, his butt stomp thing, he's the only character who can do that from a team jump. Uh, you maybe think, oh, that, that would be better if I dumped all my points into that. So I like that aspect of it. But as you say, Alice, it's, it's quite hard. It's, it's quite, it's quite yeah, difficult. It's very deep and very complex. And uh, it, I found it easy to get into because I am like from playing, yeah, other, other like tactical things like XCOM and from playing pen and paper RPGs, you kind of understand all that like, movement speed, movement distance, yeah. cover, like full cover, half cover, all like flanking, elevation, all that kind of stuff. And it's got all that stuff in it. And it, it's just way more deep than I was expecting, which I really like. Mm-hmm. But then I, it, I sometimes I was playing it, thinking like, what, what is the audience exactly like for this? It does introduce like the first half of the first world is pretty introductory, and does mm. it does introduce a lot of those things as you say, Alice, half cover, full cover, um, your, your how many grid spaces you can move. Yeah. Uh, introduces the dashing and but at the same time 
I think for someone who isn't familiar with the genre, it is. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult to. You've a lot of numbers on screen. You've a lot of like even uh, the further you get into the game, you can buy weapons that have different kind of special abilities. Like there's there's honey, there's bounce, there's push, there's fire, there's vamp, there's. Again, it's just kind of another layer of... Um, Luigi has a little dinosaur card, isn't he? little dinosaur robot thing. He does, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little... Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's the one that I had specifically, I think, when you were, when you were watching me. Was it called the Buantosaurus? The Buantosaurus, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. what? Yes, yeah, exactly. Buan. Uh, As in, like, buah. Uh, oh, cute. B-W-A-H. I suppose one, one other little kind of issue I have with... The, so you have the Bay characters, as I said... I, at the beginning of the game, you have Mario, Rabbid, uh, Luigi, and Rabbid Peach. Mm-hmm. And as you go on, you get all the others. Um, but I ne- like even though when I got, say, married, or, uh, married, Rabbid Mario, I, I would I'd try him out, see what, yeah. see what he's like, or, or Peach, or whatever. But in the end, I would always go back to those, uh, the original two, because I'd gotten used to them. And say, like, like you mentioned, the vamp dash, mm. like, that's fucking pivotal. Because with that, for Rabbit Luigi, when you slide into an enemy, yeah. you also take, or you, your health goes up a little bit. Uh, or or Rabbit Peach, she's the healer. And yeah. obviously Rabbit, Rabbit Luigi as well has a lot of, uh, he can shield himself, he can weaken other enemies. He's kind of a defensive specialist, he can weaken other enemies weapons too and Mario you have to have Mario's just like but Mario's hero sight like you mentioned earlier Chris about Mario with a gun yeah. give, give Mario a gun in all his games I, it is an d- absolute delight to yeah. see Mario with the Overwatch ability take out an enemy in the air it's <laughs> oh it's just a steely eyed killer he is it's oh, it's excellent uh, but yeah I, I I felt the game never kind of I don't know, it didn't really encourage you to try other... Uh, Approaches. Yeah, or just combinations of, yeah. of your party. Other people might feel differently. Uh, I just, just That's the way I felt. I felt that I was never punished for kind of sticking to the main they core. They should have maybe changed the story to force that upon the player then, shouldn't they? I mean, potentially, or, yeah. or kind of well, like balance en- a bit. Enemies right? could only be beaten by but, yeah, certain exactly. characters, maybe. I don't like know. Elemental types. Yeah, but yeah. then that's on a whole other layer as well. Mm. But all in all, like this is a crossover that probably shouldn't have worked, but it has. Yeah, and it's a, a really enjoyable, despite the caveats. Like, it's a very, very enjoyable game that is, uh, I think, may even turn more people onto the Switch. Would you like to see something? Would you like to see them do more with this? Um, or do you think it's like a one-time? I mean, that was neat. Move on. I don't. Well, do you know what? Actually, uh, because it's it's funny you say that because that is one uh, one little niggle I have as well is that I think it's a bit long in the tooth. Okay. And I do think that it goes on a bit too much, and uh, and I think a lot of that is down to how punishing it is and yeah. how hard it can be later on. Because let's say in a battle, some of these battles can be quite long, and you can dump about twenty twenty five minutes into it yeah. only to die and to have to start all over again. Oh, so there's no like. Like fire there's not, there's not a, what do they call it, a scum mid- saving. Like there, yeah, so, they have so like a th- mid-level save or something. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it, it's very punishing. So like, I mean, I don't know, that's a very hard question to ask Chris after putting X amount of hours into it right now. Maybe I but, should ask but, you about it next but, week. But, but it's, uh, yeah, as I say, a really, really enjoyable game. That's, it's just strange. It's strange how this has worked. And I'm not sure 
White Highs. But it's good. Call the Hands review will be on videogamer.com very soon. Chris Hallam, you have played a new game so new it's not even out yet because you've only played the demo of it. But yeah. that's Pokken Tournament DX. Yeah, Pokken Tournament DX. Right. So, have any of you ever played Pokken? Yes. Uh, no, but I played this one at Ninty a uh, couple months ago. Okay. Yeah. I, I played this on... Um, the Wii U or the... Was it the Wii U? Was that what it was originally on? I was going to ask. Yeah, what it, was it came it out, out on the Wii U. Yeah, it came yeah. out the arcade and the Wii U. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I played it on Wii U and I played... I, 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 for about five or ten minutes, didn't know what was going on and said, that's enough yeah. for me. It was very confusing. I, just a lot of shit going down. I had no idea what was happening when I played it either. Because you have like your support Pokemon as well. But then I had no idea how to call them in or what they mm. were doing. But I do quite like the concept because I like Pokemons. So, well, you know. Yeah, basically, it's you, you're onto something there with a lot of the whole support Pokemon thing. And I'll come back to that in a second. Basically, Pokken is what would happen if you got Pokemon and married it to Tekken mix them in a pot it's developed by some of the tekken folks so they've kind of worked on the battle systems it's like an arena based thing so i think like did you ever play any of the old pokemon stadium games yeah 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 so like in the stadium like the arena so you're in those areas but it it will change when the actual game itself comes out proper and what happens is you fight in this arena you choose a pokemon each and you choose two support Pokemons. The support Pokemon, they have different abilities. So, say, one of them will be able to like, specialise in attack, one will specialise in defence. Um, the attack one will help boost your power-ups, which are your burst attacks, and the defence one will help you with your healing or blocking abilities. Really, though, this game is it's based around using a control pad. Um, rather than with other fighting games, you kind of use an arcade stick. Mm -hmm. So it's like more for the casuals. So say I played it with my girlfriend, and I put the switch down. We were drinking in the garden as we do. Um, put the switch down, pulled the little two Joy Cons off, gave her one. I had one, and we just started battling. She decided to choose um, Charizard because I'd battered her with a Charizard the first time. She went, I'll choose the big fuck off dragon. We've been watching Game of Thrones, so why not? Smart move. Yeah, why not? Good so Pokemon, I, Charizard. I, I was um, Pikachu and then Empoleon afterwards. And basically what you do is you hit your attacks. It's like typical tech and you have your hard attack, mid attack, soft attack. Um, and then you press two buttons to do a counter or a throw. Mm. And... As you build up your attacks, you have a little gauge that builds up at the bottom, and that's called your burst mode. Now, when you get that, is you said you didn't know how to kind of... Yeah, I had no idea yeah, what's going on. I found it didn't really explain itself. It doesn't. It really doesn't at all. You just tap the two um, top shoulder buttons. So in the case of the Switch, it's the L and R. Tap that. It sets that off, so it's like your Super Saiyan ability. And then you can just do... Tap it again, the L and R, and then it does like a little combo attack that will wipe out half the bar of your enemy. Um, there's not really much defense or tactics in it, really. It's just a case of just going. It's like it's pure, like just all out attack. It's all out attack, and your best form of defense is to counter, basically. Like Tekken used to be, because Tekken you can still attack, but really it was all about grappling and countering, and they've kind of applied that style. To Pokken. 
Did it's just Pokemon battering fuck out of each other. I mean, yeah. yeah. Did it did it make you want to play the play when it comes out proper? Um, yeah, I used to like um, Tekken back in the day, and I enjoyed Pokemon. I used to have it on Game Boy. Um, so I'd like to give it a go. I mean, um, I will continue to play the demo. The demo actually is um, it's the first Switch demo that's been limited. Do you know the amount of times you can play it? Oh, so it's got fifteen geez, limited ones. Yeah, used to do that with like uh, Rayman and the Wii U and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's so annoying. Brought it back, so people were panicking, thinking you could only play it. But the thing is, it's not fifteen games. Like in terms of playing it fifteen times, it's fifteen battles. So it's fifteen fights. Oh, really? Yeah. And what you have to do to get around it is... It's nothing. You'll do it in about half an hour. And you have to delete the demo and then re-download it. And reinstall it just to get around it, just so you can play it again. And as much fun as I had with the demo and to kind of prime up for the game in a way, that is a massive ball ache and they need to get rid of shit like that. There's a tip from the top. Delete Uh, it and then re-download it again. You were almost a jill sandwich. It's me, Mario. Would you kindly? Listen. Let's go bowling. This is my favorite store on the Citadel. War never changes. Every week on the Video Gamer Podcast, I test the gaming knowledge of my colleagues with a simple game called Who Am I? I give five clues to the identity of a video game character, and you, Alice Bell, and you, Chris Hallam, must give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop, and then give me said answer. Clue number one. My first appearance in a video game came in 2001. 20... Zero, one. Okay. Clue number two. There have been four entries in my main series and two spin-off titles. Okay. Clue number three. In the Western editions of my games, I'm described as a raccoon. A raccoon. Okay. Clue number four. I started off life as a shopkeeper and have even been... Uh, excuse me, I've started so I finished. I started off life as a shopkeeper and have have even been seen giving work to my family. Shit. Um, I don't know. Stop. Alice Bell? Is it Tom Nook? And this week's winner is Alice Bell. Yes! I actually knew it as well. It wasn't just because Chris got it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> the thing is, I looked out the corner of my eye and I could see Alice and I could I could see her eyes. She went, her eyes lit up. I was like, and is you it could th- see the cogs whirring and she was just squirming trying to grab the, it. The thing is, I've never played Animal Crossing. I just know of Tom Nook from people uh, fair play, fair talking play. about him. Uh, I imported the American version of that for the GameCube. Really? So I should actually know this answer. Uh, so to go through the clues, my first clue, my first appearance in a video game came in 2001, the original Animal Crossing. Clue number two, there have been four entries in my main series and two spin-off titles. I actually thought there was more before I was looking it up. Uh, clue number three, in the Western editions of my games, I am described as a raccoon because he's a tanuki in the Japanese games. Uh, clue number four, I started off life as a shopkeeper keeper, and have even been seen giving work to my family. His nephews, Timmy and Tommy. Uh, he uh, keeps them in work, which is nice. And clue number five, in my last appearance, which was Animal Crossing New Leaf, I decided to pack in my shopkeeping days and go where the money is and become an estate agent full-time, which, of course, was Nook's Homes. Well done, Alice Bell. Thank you. Well, Tom Nook, he's like the Michael Culleone of the uh, Animal Crossing world. Yes. He's he, such a mafioso bastard, isn't he? He, like, sells you a house and then you're an indentured servant, basically. Is that right? I mean, just like real life. You know, pretty much. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. 
Every Tuesday, we head to Twitter.com and more specifically at VideoGamer.com, our account, and ask if you have any questions for this part of the podcast, which is generally called the questions bit. And you answer in your droves. Uh, our first question is from Cable 8. And Cable 8 asks, how do you guys decide uh, what a game is worth when it... How do, you just, how do you guys decide that a game is worth what it's priced, excuse me? Hours you get from it, reviews, dev, publisher, or just series. I personally will buy a game on money to hours. Two-hour game, no more than £20, uh, roughly going on how much I spent in a cinema for two hours. So how do, how do you judge a game's value, I suppose? I guess it's difficult because sometimes you won't know its value until you've played so it you play if that it, makes um, it because i would price it on how much i enjoyed it like how much enjoyment i got out of it mm-hmm. rather than that because i think like it like longer doesn't necessarily mean a better game so i think journey for example was perfect at the length it was and i think if it had been longer you would have kind of got to a point where you're going oh fucking hell like more the sand so i think it's it yeah, it'll be a, it, like I think a two-hour experience can be a perfect experience, you yeah. know, of itself. Uh, but I do understand why people go would, would be hesitant to pay like thirty quid for something that was two hours. Well, that's the thing. It's it. It all comes down to interpretation, doesn't it, of the experience? And the thing is, some people might think it's worth paying forty quid for a game that only lasts eight hours. I mean, remember when? Um, First-person shooters used to be about 14, 15 hours. Mm, And then they dramatically dropped um, with the advent of the Xbox 360 and PS3 consoles when Call of Duty... It was just basically online multiplayer, really. Well, yeah, it went down to four to six hours. But my uncle, for example, he's bought all of the Call of Duty since the PS1 and on console, and he only plays the single player. So even though, like, say, Call of Duty Ghosts was awful and it was about six, seven hours, Mm -hmm. he still played it and he enjoyed it and he felt he got his money's worth. Do you know what? I'm the exact same. I'll I'll play Call of Duty for the single player, not for the... uh not for the multiplayer, mm. because I'm shit, <laughs> and everyone else is really good. So it's just, it's not fun for me. Yeah. I, I think it is a personal thing, isn't it? Although, what I don't understand is when people say that if it's made by an indie studio, it should cost less. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... It's I don't understand the ludicrous. rationale behind that. Uh, our next question, uh, and final question for today, is from Ross McMahon. Uh, he asks, after the success of Rabbit Peach, which two games characters would you mash up? I mean, if we learn anything from Rabbit Peach, it must be two kind of disparate characters that you wouldn't necessarily think would work together. So, probably, With that in like, mind. I don't know, fucking Kratos, Kratos from God of War, um, and fucking, I don't know, so, like, shit, like... Shit. P- from Pikachu, Conqu- Pikachu. That's, about that's actually, I like that one, yeah. Pikachu and... Kratos, that would uh, be great. Chris Kratos, Hallam- little yellow, because he's all stripey already. You just make that black and yellow, you're halfway there. Also, like, you think it would be, like, uh, Pikachu's body, but he would just look like... Either or. <laughs> I'm loving either. That's <laughs> a, a fucking... That's a fucking T-shirt design for mm. one of those mashup <laughs> companies, right? I'm going to be p- really unimaginative and go with Solid Snake and Sam Fisher. <laughs> That's the same. Yeah, I mean, that's giving Solid Snake just green goggles, basically, isn't it? No, but, like, in terms of having both in the same thing as well. 
That's the same. Yeah, but it's, it'd just be so good. Like having like Hideo Kojima kind of doing his take on mm. that kind of world. It'd be great. I'd, it's the same. I'd say, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'd still like to see it. I'd, see, I'd like to see it with, like, say, like the controls of um, Splinter Cell married into Metal Gear. Just I mean, remap your controls, mate. <laughs> Alice, stop being childish. I, I would probably say, uh, let me think. I would probably say Buzz from Buzz Quiz TV and the human fella from. The, the Mario <laughs> Odyssey trailer just to make Buzz like just I suppose you'd be given the human fella from the Mario trailer just bleach blonde hair effectively yeah. and that just about does it for this week's edition of the Video Gamer Podcast thank you very much dear listener for listening and also a big thanks to the VGBGs as always for supporting us you're all brilliant people if you want to become a VGBG you can do so by heading to patreon.com forward slash video gamer uh, that is where you will get an extended bit of the Video Gamer Podcast. You'll also get it early, a day earlier. Uh, we'll be doing the extended bit right after this. You'll also be getting the extra podcast, which is out every Friday. And this week, you're getting a Q&A. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Is that this week? Yeah. Either way, then it doesn't matter. You know it's for, you get a fortnightly Q&A anyway. Uh, so yeah, as always, thank you very much, and uh, to everyone, we'd love it if you would rate and review us on iTunes. And I know I always say five stars, but I think in all honesty, it actually doesn't matter. You can give us whatever you want, and just a review helps us, so that would be great. Uh, you can also follow myself on Twitter, at Colin underscore Hearn. You can follow Chris on Twitter, at IBU666. You can follow Alice on Twitter, at BabyGotBell. And you can follow Video Gamer and all of your relevant social networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, at VideoGamer.com. And on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash VideoGamerTV. But for all of your Video Gamer needs, just head to VideoGamer.com. And now it's time for my least favorite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye. Chris Allen. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Alice Bell. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Colm Hearn Sloan. Go forward.